You're listening to the Movie Crew Podcast. Tonight, we're talking about Daniel Craig's third Bond outing, Skyfall. Our dreams, they feel real while we're in them, right? It's only when we wake up that we realize something is actually strange. The middle children of history, man. No purpose, no place. We have no great war. No great depression. Podcast. I'm Brian. With me tonight, Benson. Jeremy Benson. It's good to be back. Been doing uh, a lot of Girl and Wood stuff there, haven't you? Been a little busy. Doing a little uh, audio mixing. You guys throwing in some fat beats? Uh, I don't know about fat beats. <laughs> you know, like tossing sounds. A little 5.1 mix action there? A little, little high tech stuff. Oh man, look at that. Can Had a little test screening. Oh, yeah, okay, good. We can talk about this then, right? Yeah, we can talk about the test screen. The test screen went pretty well, didn't it? I would say so. Yeah. I don't think you could ask for a better response. Yeah, people seem to enjoy it. Yeah, that's, you, you want people to enjoy your film. Yeah, yeah, you don't you don't want people going out and be like, hey, thank you for wasting an hour and a half of my life. You're <laughs> a real dick. <laughs> yeah, and it's good, you know, it's always good when people hang around after the movie instead of, like, the movie's over and they're gone. When they hang around, they they seem to truly have an interest in what they just watched. It's good seeing uh, Juliet, um, the star, came out and did a Q and A with uh, you, the producer Mark Williams, and yeah, we tried to get you to come up there, but no, suddenly you went, you like vanished from sight. Good little test screening here in Memphis. Had uh, apparently the test screening out in San Francisco went really good. Got to make uh, a couple more little tweaks, and we'll be um, ready to rock and roll this thing. Yeah, it will be nice to be able to actually like get it out and let let the masses see it, like that, and get everyone's feedback. And yeah, that's exciting. Yeah, working on that. Baby steps, right? Well, look for it in festivals near you. We're uh, we're making some deals on some other test screenings and trying to set up a good premiere. So hopefully, we can premiere it pretty soon. And they can look at the Girl in Woods Twitter and Facebook page, and it might even be a new trailer pretty soon. What? Really? Maybe. Maybe? Maybe. We've talked about this. I don't know why you're acting like you didn't know about it. You ready to talk Bond? I can't think of anything funny to say. So yeah, sure. Okay, so we are talking about Skyfall. Uh, This is Craig's third Bond film. It's number... It's Bond 23 and the Eon Productions, the Broccoli family. Okay, before we get into Skyfall... Oh, before we get into Skyfall. Yeah, before we get into Skyfall. All right. And we're in Bond General. You are much, much more into the the Bond movie franchise more than I have been able to be. You know, not that I don't love the movies. You know, just growing up, it wasn't a huge thing in my house to watch the Bond movies. And 
I sort of had to find them on my own. Which is your favorite Bond movie? Favorite Bond movie? Favorite Bond movie. Well, it, it depends on when you ask me that, but it's either, it's always either from Russia with Love or Goldfinger. Really? Yeah. Those are, they switch. It switches back and forth, but those are the two. And who's your favorite Bond? It's Sean Connery. Hands down, Sean Connery. After seeing the fourth one, Craig is really, if he can give us a, a fifth Bond. Personally, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying him as Bond. I think he could give Connery a, a solid run for his money. Now, I do tend to, you know, when Pierce Brosnan was Bond, I tend to like, man, he's really good as Bond. I love Pierce. He might be my favorite Bond. And then, you know, now Craig, he might be my favorite. I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of wishy-washy on the whole who's my favorite Bond. I like them all. They're all different, though. You know, they all have their own kind of thing. And How many did Timothy Dalton do? He did two. He did two. Okay, I thought he only did one. Yeah, he did uh, Living Daylights and uh, License to Kill, which License to Kill got hammered, man. Like, that was the worst weekend ever to open up. It was like Batman was out. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids was out. Um, Lethal Weapon 2 was out. And here was License to Kill. Now, which one's the one starts out with the big, the opening scenes, the big ski set piece? Oh, with the Union Jack sh uh, parachute? Yeah. That's the spy who loved me. Roger Moore. That's that's his third Bond film. Usually, now, didn't Pierce Brosnan do one too with a snowy ski opening? Uh, with an opening, he was in a ski scene in uh, The World Is Not Enough. But yeah, I really liked that one. I like that one. I really like the Bond villain in that. Robert Carlyle and that I uh, oh, forget the French actress's name. Uh, she was in Braveheart. I thought she was so good, and she was like actually turned out to be the the big bad and Robert Carlyle was really the henchman. Yeah. It was kind of a nice twist. It's weird seeing like a a Bond villain be female. Usually they're just kind of like the I don't know, they're like the the second Bond girl that's bad. But he'll still sleep with her and then kill her. Or watch her die while somebody else kills her. But let's let's get into Skyfall. This is Sam Mendes, Oscar winning director, coming off of American Beauty, Road to Perdition. Yeah, he started in a theater, didn't he? He considers himself a theater director, and he kind of fell into film. I was reading an interview where he said that. Oh, really? Yeah. That's, I think that's what he was doing in between Bond films. Is he was doing, he did like two stage productions. I think one of them was like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. You know, for a theater director, he sure knows where to put that camera. Well, yeah. Well, he's working with great cinematographers, too. Like, yeah. I think Conrad Hall shot American Beauty. That guy's considered like one of the greats. Roger Deakins shot this. Skyfall. Um, right. Of course, he's you know he's a Coen Brothers DP. Shot No Country for Old Men and and Barton Fink. That's kind of when I when noticed him. And then Shawshank came out and. No, did he shoot Shawshank too? Oh yeah, he shot Shawshank. I mean, dude, he's just a master cinematographer. You watch this movie, it's gorgeous. It's the best looking Bond film, hands down, hands down, up until this point. We're not talking about Spectre at all. We're just we're acting like that movie doesn't exist yet. It's going to be really hard because we did just see Spectre. We have seen Spectre. It's amazing. It is pretty badass. It is awesome. <laughs> I guess we should get into also Bond villains. Man, dude, Harvey R. Bardeen. What an amazing performance this guy is turning in here. He's an Academy Award winning actor. I do feel like, and I'm, I mean, I may be like way off reservations here, but. I feel like, especially these last two, have stepped 
the game and the acting and the seriousness of the tone of the films up a notch. I think that's the script is just attracting good actors. There's like even the villain in this one, Javier's performance is one step in another direction and it's cheesy. Just the way he just layers that character and the nuances that he gives between, you know, like he starts laughing after M walks off and you can tell he's hurt because he wants her attention, but at the same time, this is part of his plan to kill her and just all of those emotions that go through his brain and is visible on his face. That is an amazing performance. It's a weird line where he's like, you almost feel sorry for him, but he's so creepy. He's got like a Hannibal Lecter vibe going on at the same time. Where it's just like, oh, I can't feel sorry for you, dude. And in the hands of a less talented actor, it could come across cheesy. Yeah. It could come across total. <laughs> I mean, it's very much a Scooby-Doo villain. It's like a modern Bond villain. Because they, they do give him his deformity, you know, like. Well, yeah. You know. But even that, like, I don't know. It, it's done with such skill. Can we, are we at the point where we can tell who the, what the Bond villain's story is in this one? Or well, you know what, let's, we're going to play the trailer for Skyfall, be right back. Three months ago, you lost the drive containing the identity of every agent embedded in terrorist organizations across the globe. 007, reporting for duty. Where the hell have you been? Enjoying death. I only have one question, why not stay dead? There's no shame in saying you've lost a step. They weren't targeting her. They wanted her to see it. Welcome to the new MI6. I'm your quartermaster. You must be joking. Also PPKS 9mm short. It's been coded to your palm print, so only you can fire it. Less of a random killing machine, more of a personal statement. You. 007. I want to meet your employer. How much do you know about fear? All there is. Not like this. Not like him. Just look at you. Chasing spies. England. And my sex. She sent you after me, not when you're not ready, not when you would likely die. Mommy was very bad. Two survivors. This is what she made us. Everybody needs a hobby. So what's yours? Resurrection. Did you notice when they open the movie, there's no gum barrel? What? Well, they do it in the hallway. They do do it in the hallway. And sort of an in-camera. Um, is this the first Bond movie that doesn't have the gun barrel? No, uh, Casino Royale has the origin of the gun barrel. The beginning of that kind of shows where the gun barrel comes from. And then Quantum of Solace, they put it at the end of the movie. And at this one, they also put it at the end. But this opening sequence is really cool. One th- Man, you know one thing I really like about this? And it's, they set it up right here in the very beginning. And it's a theme that plays through the entire film. Is when he sees the agent that's bleeding out. Yeah. He's wanting to save the guy. But M is, the mission's more important than the agent. Yes. When he gets up and he gives him that, that one little look back. And that guy is just like holding his wound, looking at him. That was like a a real emotional way to just start a Bond film, like right in the middle of the action, and then like, oh, here, look, there's this guy dying. And they actually have a moment. You don't see that. Usually in a Bond film, it's just like, hey, look, here's Bond doing 
doing some yeah, cool I mean, stuff. Even Money Penny's like, come on, come on. Eva in the movie is is Money Penny. That's a really that was an awesome thing too. That was a good reveal, man. Oh my god. <laughs> I like the chase sequence. I like the motorcycle chase on the rooftops is really cool. They end up on a train. That is amazing. The shot where Bond takes the backhoe and uh, connects the backhoe to the other train car to keep the train cars from separating and then lands inside the cabin, adjusts his suit, and keeps going is you just want to kind of bow and go, okay, you got me. <laughs> oh, Craig, dude, you got it. You got it. You're James Bond. It's now, just that little moment. Um, Fixing his cufflinks and his suit. Now, this obviously leads up to another moment where Money Penny has the, you know, the gun aimed at the two fighting on top of the train. M is in the headset. She's saying, take the shot. Money Penny doesn't know if she has a clear shot. M is, you know, fuck Bond. If he dies, it's too bad. We've got to get this. We got to get this list. Tells her to take the shot and she hits James Bond and he falls to his what should have been his death. That is the only thing that bothers me about this movie, but it should have been his death. Did that surprise you the first time you saw it? Because uh, you've seen more James Bond movies than I have, so it totally threw me off. I was like, holy shit, they just killed James Bond. It, it, was, it's, it, it did, and it's like in a big emotional like, <gasps> but I also like it too because it's kind of a callback. Like to uh, You Only Live Twice, Bond dies in the beginning. Um, from Russia with Love, there's a Bond that dies in the beginning, but it turns out it's not really James Bond. It's some guy that's wearing a Bond mask. I liked how it, it played back to those old movies. It was like an homage, but at the same time, it, was, it had such an emotional impact. The way this entire scene builds. Well, it sets up immediately those... It's almost like constantly going, okay, this is what this movie is about. M is putting the mission above the... The agents. The agents. All of them. And that's what's going to happen in this movie. That's what we're going to deal with. Yeah, and it, like twice within that opening sequence of Marvelness, that theme comes up. All the relationships are being built and everything that's being said During here, this extreme action sequence. Yeah, it's really well done. I mean, everybody on board, the script is really good here. Super tight. Yeah, and you know, dude, when they're on top of that train, that's Daniel Craig and that other actor. They are on that train. Going over that bridge. That's them. They have two cables that have been CGI'd out. And the film the film gear is like bolted down. <laughs> film gear is not going anywhere. But the actors, they're doing that stuff with a cable attached to them. That is insane. I was I was gonna bring up difference between like watching uh the opening of Skyfall and another movie we recently saw and just like the the action that's caught in camera with minimal CGI additions and work as opposed to like you know like you see the trailer for like witch hunter or something you can tell it's very heavily cgi oriented yeah yeah and just how much more you you're drawn into this world where you know you see james bond running across the top of this train and then oh that shot where they're fighting you know they're fighting on top of the train and then they both kind of look over their shoulder and they just both duck really quick because they're going under a tunnel like all of that looks so real you're so there with it that it just sucks you in way more than the overly over cgi'd stuff like you can tell they're not on a green screen in a studio they're actually somewhere photographing stuff yeah i mean sometimes you have to use green screen stuff and there's like 
but most of the stuff is set extensions, you know? Right. Like stuff like, man, come on, we don't have the money for that because then this movie would cost $500 million. But, I mean, dude, they're adding so much production value on screen. They're building sets when they can. And they're using CGI as sparingly, as minimalistic as possible. Well, they're using it right. Yeah. To remove wires. And just like when we were talking about uh, Mad Max and Interstellar, it's like, oh, man, that stuff looks really good. Well, they're getting a lot of that in camera. Right. And that's why it looks that good. You can just tell when it's photographed in camera. Like, you know, we went to see Spectre. And I got home that night, and my wife was watching The Hobbit, The Battle of Five Armies. Yeah, well, that's like the exact opposite. And yeah, about. and it was the exact opposite. I was just watching it going, why? Like, yeah. Ah. They put you in the action on a Bond movie. Even when they go to their wide shots, it's like, oh, a helicopter could be there. You know why? Because a helicopter probably shot that shot. Kudos to the production team. This is one of the best crews. Stunt, production design, rigging. Like, these guys are some of the best in the world. These Bond movies are going to these locations. Yeah, they're shooting in Pinewood, but, I mean, Pinewood's big, but it's only so big. I didn't know this, but that uh, casino later in the movie that Bond goes to and he gets his chip, that's not a real casino. It's completely fictitious and made up. The only part of that that's real is a little entranceway with the little lights and the front of the casino. Everything else is all CGI. Really? Yeah, everything else is CGI. Except for the lights that are actually right around Daniel Craig and those little the little entranceways that he kind of floats under on the raft. That was built on a on a set. The, the huge, they have a nice huge water tank in Pinewood Studios. He just built that right there and shot it. Everything else is all CGI extension. I would have never guessed that. How can that look so real and then something else look so bad? I don't know. I, you know, I think they've gotten pretty good. CGI is pretty good at set extensions now, I, th- I feel like. Especially at that, where it's like low lighting, kind of dark. Yeah. CGI is good for some things. Like, people I like, have, I like to dog cuss CGI, but, you know, it's got its hey, place, too. You I've know? used it. I know. You know, you got to... It's a tool, you know? Don't hate the tool. Hate the person that used it dumbly. <laughs> I was only bringing up that, like, the use of CGI in Skyfall... Even like what you just said, like I would have never thought that that was not a real photographed something. Yeah, either right. a miniature that's been brought in or something. You know, the train sequence at the beginning. There's some CGI work happening here. It doesn't look like it. And then opposed to some other movies where you can tell that the majority of the movie was shot in a green screen studio and everything is added. There's a difference. There's a difference between. Even if you're going to build most of the set and green screen some windows and some set extensions, looks better than green screening everything. There's some places they can't shoot. Like that motorcycle uh, race, I think when it goes inside, like, you know, that's a set. I don't think they could, right. can't actually drive a motorcycle in that location with people walking around. You know, those are all stunt people. And I do think that's the right way to use it, though. And you can tell they really put a lot of thought into each shot and what each thing is going to be. Dude, can you imagine how stressed out the fucking production team is on a production this big? Like, all the stuff they're doing, like, all the different units that are shooting. Because that's the thing, like, on a movie of this scale, they're, like, the second unit is massive. And they are shooting incredible action scenes. They're, they're the ones that are shooting all the stunt work and all that, while Sam Mendes and Daniel Craig, they're shooting everything else. Right. The logistics of this, I can't even imagine. You can if you watch I behind can, the I scenes. Can, I could imagine. Speaking of behind the scenes, how are the behind the scenes on? They're okay. 
they have a uh, they have a brief little making of. It's not very long, but uh, there's a commentary by Sam Mendes. It's pretty good. Um, there's also one on there with uh, Barbara Broccoli and Michael Wilson, who are the producers, and I think I think the production designer, the Sam Mendes one's really good. So, what did you think of the opening song, "Skyfall" by Adele? Uh, it felt very James Bond. This is one of my fave songs, man. Like top five favorite Bond songs. <laughs> like it's up there with like Goldfinger and Diamonds Are For. I love the Shirley Bassey ones. I don't know, man. That's, there is that, something. There is something about a Bond song with a woman with a sexy voice. Yeah, they can just like sing and get those high notes and. And they, you know, you're watching this kind of psychedelic credit sequence. It's a little bit different from all the other ones. It's very much about Bond's psyche. And it's, I don't know, it's got a really weird tracking shot that's kind of mostly continuous. It's like always moving forward. It's got some breaks where he sees things in the mirror. It's got some really cool visuals. I love it when he gets sucked down in the water in the beginning, dude. That Like the hand comes up and pulls him down. That is so awesome. <laughs> what I liked about it, honestly, is like it's, it, it becomes a very personal story about Bond and his relationship to, his relationship to MI6. It's like M, Salvia, and Bond, and how their relationships mirror each other. But it's also him, like, he comes to terms with, you know, his his childhood at Skyfall. Yeah. His place in MI6. He, him being okay with the way Judy Dench's M views the the agents, where the villain is not okay with the way she views the agents. You know, after she tells Moneypenny, take the shot, almost kills Bond, he still risks his life to save her. The bad guy, Javier, he's also a double O agent. Yeah. But he was left in a prison to die by M, and so he is plotting revenge to kill her. He feels betrayed because she didn't go get him. So you're back to that kind of duality of, you know, Bond being okay with his place in this... MI6, where Javier is not okay with being a tool. Bond gets shot in the beginning. Like, something happens where, like, he doesn't go back to work. He gets shot. He's on the beach. He vanishes for a long time. Yeah. Sylvia's bomb is what brings him back. He blows up MI6. And I love, they have this great scene between him and him. And he's like, wait, yeah, where he's waiting in the apartment. And he's just like, he confronts her about that. What was it you said? Take the bloody shot. I made a judgment call. You should have trusted me to finish the job. It was the possibility of losing you or the certainty of losing all those other agents. I made the only decision I could, and you know it. I think you lost your nerve. What do you expect? A bloody apology? You know the rules of the game. You've been playing it long enough. We both have. Maybe too long. Speak for yourself. Ronson didn't make it, did he? No. So this is it. We're both played out. If you believe that, why did you come back? Good question. You know, and I, I like how that scene, they are both so unapologetic for the decisions that they've made. We've never seen the Bond character at this, level, at this low, ever. Like, we've seen him almost left for dead, but this is, like, he's destroyed. 
Because after this, they have this great sequence where he tries to go back to work. He's and, just he's he's sort of knocked off kilter. Yeah, like he's having trouble doing the uh, pull ups. And you know he's putting on a good show, but they know he's not passing it. And like his gun performance is terrible. And that's when we get uh, his psych evaluations. The first time Skyfall comes up. I'd like to start with some simple word associations. Just tell me the first word that pops into your head. For example, I might say day, and you might say wasted. Gun. Short. Agent. Provocateur. Woman. Provocatrix. Heart. Target. Bird. Sky. M. Bitch. Sunlight. Swim. Moonlight. Dance. Murder. Employment. Country. England. Skyfall. Skyfall. Done. You know, also, this may be something I'm just, like, making up in my own evaluation of the movie, but... Ooh, these are usually always good. Part of the reason why he, he is, he's a little off-kilter is that M did not trust him to get the job done. Like, until that moment, he felt like he had her full trust. He, he was her agent that would get it done. But when she says take the shot, it kind of throws him off because he thought like, well, she should have trusted me to get it done. And then when he's doing the whole skill test thing, I think he's kind of questioning himself. Am I as good as I thought I was? She approves him for work. That's kind of the push he needs to get back into action and, and start getting better. Ralph Fiennes, his character Mallory is introduced in this movie. And he's going to become the new M by the end of the film. That scene where she approves him for work, he really, the Mallory character is really pushing Bond and M. Look, you've been seriously injured. There's no shame in saying you've lost a step. The only shame would be not admitting it until it's too late. Hire me or fire me. It's entirely up to you. If he says he's ready, he's ready. Perhaps you can't see it, or maybe you won't. What exactly are you implying? You're sentimental about him. As long as I'm head of this department, I'll choose my own operatives. He's being extremely aggressive with him. But at the end of the scene, you don't really hate this guy. You know, he, you get the feeling that he's just, he's making people question their own decisions in a good way. Exactly. And then at the end of the movie, when they think, oh shit, we're in deep trouble because Bond is breaking rules, Q's helping him break rules, and then... Fines comes in and he's like, great job, let's keep breaking rules. Well, Money Penny tells you halfway through the movie, don't underestimate this guy. He's not what you think. That's one thing I like about the script. They are slowly prepping you throughout the entire film that Judy Dench is going to die. Right. I never thought they'd kill Judy Dench ever. It did catch me off guard. But they, if you go back and watch the film, they're setting you up for it. They're letting you down easy, like... There's that scene where she gets fired. And she says she's not going anywhere until the job's done. They're setting everything up very early on. And all these characters coming to play out. Even like Money Penny's character. How they're building her to where she's kind of a badass and fighting along with Bond in the beginning. And slowly she starts, after she shoots Bond, and they, she, she comes back accident. a little bit. Yeah, it isn't. Well, she was ordered to. 
Naomi Harris does a great job. She is a terrific money penny, by the way. Love her. But um, she gets more to do. She's in the China uh, casino. I love that sequence, by the way. Oh, man. Isn't that great? Dude? That whole, chi- dude, that we whole should... The sound in that sequence is amazing. Because they're talking to each other as they're walking around this casino. They're talking to each other on these little hidden earpieces. And so you hear Money Penny in his ear, you know, radio voice. But then as she walks up and they pass each other, the sound, it like dissolves into like real you, dial. It's yeah. really cool sounding. Where it sounds like, yeah, somebody actually like, speaking to you. That's really good sound design. I love the blocking there too, like how the camera is just oh, yeah. constantly, it's constantly following Bond and she's just coming in and out of frame. Now I will say good. I was a little let down with the um, Bond girl in this one. But who's the Bond girl in this one? Like, M's the Bond girl. I figured it was the girl he kind of creepily slept with in the shower. Okay, all right. We should probably talk about that. That is kind of weird. We should backtrack, though, because I don't even know if that's the first Bond girl. Does he sleep with Money Penny before they go to this casino? Doesn't say. Because when I first saw this, and I didn't know she was Money Penny when I was watching it, and they have that shaving scene... It leads you to believe that they may have. It is very heavily applied that they got it on. But. Because doesn't she make some com- she makes some comment afterwards, too. But it's not shown like it is with other Bond girls. But then he meets the girl that um, in the casino who tells him they're going to kill you as soon as you leave. But if they don't, please meet me at my boat and I'll take you to the bad guy and we'll have sex. She has this really weird backstory. Well, it's not weird. That's the wrong word. She has this really horrible backstory where she was in the sex trade at a young age and Sylvia, the bad guy, bought her. I guess. Bond meets up with her on the boat and then he creepily gets naked and gets in the shower behind her without her knowing. It's a little creepy. It's a little rapey. It's a little rapey. We we don't know. We don't know that she doesn't know he's on the boat. Like, we could have just been cutting in to after they had a little dinner and... No, no, she was surprised when when he touched her. She was like, oh, wait a minute. Yeah. He's just a very confident dude. <laughs> it is weird. I, I think most most women in their private thoughts would admit that, yes, that would be extremely sexy. I don't know. Not if you've been, like, molested or something your entire life. Tattoo on your wrist is Macau sex trade. You belong to one of the houses. What were you, 12, 13? I'm guessing he was your way out. Perhaps you thought you were in love. That was a long time ago. They probably should have left that line out. They probably should have, because they say something like, what were you in there, like, when you were 12? And I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, they probably should have just left it at, like, there was some kind of abuse there. And that been that. The little sex, the sex trade stuff, it kind of makes that sex scene a little bit later just kind of creepy. Yeah, I didn't catch on to that the first time, but... Well, yeah, the first time you're watching it, you're just enjoying the movie, because it is really well made. Yeah. Speaking of how well made it is, is Sam Mendes channeling Christopher Nolan? Uh, I, I, I think there may have been a behind-the-scenes meeting. Someone said, I want you to go make a James Bond movie like The Dark Knight. <laughs> Just take the plot of The Dark Knight and make James Bond. <laughs> Add some Bond backstory, all right? It's, it's very similar in its plot. 
Up until the third act, yeah. It's extremely similar. When uh, Sil- Sylvia, is his name? Savio? S- Savi- S- Sylvia, right? When he's captured and you hear the yeah, line, Sylvia. he planned to be captured the whole time. I was like, wow, that's... that. Yeah, that's just like out of The Dark Knight. This guy's the Joker all over again. Uh, it does... I'm sure The Dark Knight wasn't the first movie to ever have... No, but the problem is it came out four years before this. And it's still such, you know, bright on everybody's memory. Exactly. That's the thing. And it's like, well, we kind of just saw this. It doesn't make this film any less enjoyable. No, I, I didn't even, it, it didn't bother me at all. It was just a momentary, like, I'm seeing some similarities here. <laughs> there are some similarities, and you cannot ignore them at all. I mean, I don't know if they were conscious or, or what, but, yeah, no, like the whole Sylvia getting captured and how that plays out, it is. I mean, even his similar. sort of stated goal of just causing trouble was a little bit. The things that he would have to predict to get right, like, if you think about it, like, he set off the bomb in the beginning right. in MI6 so he get everybody underground. Right. So he could get access to the subway tunnels. So when M would have this meeting, this list of agents being leaked on the internet, she would have to be held accountable for in a hearing. And then he could kill her on the news. And, yeah, go through the subway tunnels. And he would have to be caught, though, so he could get into these subway tunnels. It's like, wow. And they, they, they channeled some Die Hard 3 with the subway crash. Oh, that's amazing. That's done for real. Oh, that, that, that's an awesome line, too, when the bomb goes off and it blows a hole in the ceiling. Oh! I won't miss next time, Mr. Silver. Not bad. Not bad, James, for a physical wreck. Why, thank you. You caught me. Now, here's your prize. The latest thing from my local toy store. It's called... Radio. I do hope that wasn't for me. (laughs) But that is. Yeah, they. Okay, so they built that train. That is a real train, and it's suspended just like a roller coaster up above on some cables, and it. They had a bunch of cameras on it, like 9 or 11, some ridiculous amount of cameras. Whoosh, built that thing, and it ran through there. They're getting this shit in camera. This is old-school filmmaking techniques to new levels. Well, no, it's not. It's, it's proper filmmaking techniques. Cause the train, I wish it was. The train would have looked really. cheesy if it was a CGI train and a CGI set and CGI dust, and CGI rocks, and CGI explosion, and James Bond reacting to some shit that he can't see. You know the thing that bothers me, though? There's nobody on the train. I don't care. It kind of bothers me when I watch it now, because I've seen it so many times. I'm like, nobody is on that. Why is nobody on that train? Like, the only problem I have with it is because, like, earlier in the scene... There's too many people. I can't see them. Welcome to Rush Hour on the Tube. Not something you'd know much about. And like 10 minutes later, here comes this train. You know what I mean? So it's like, why is nobody on it? I don't maybe know. Nobody, just, just nobody was on the first couple of cars. Or maybe they were all ducking down. I don't know. Yeah, it's just it's one of those little details. Because, you know, as soon as the, the driver of the train saw a big hole in the track, he started yelling back, everybody down, down. I do think there's a driver in there, though. They did to, get that. I, 
I love the subway sequence in Die Hard with a Vengeance. When Bruce Willis gets that bomb and he's, oh, yeah. he's running through the subway car going, everybody to the back of the car, back of the car. That is awesome. Die Hard 3 is really good. All those Die, all those die Hard 1 and 3 are really I like the first three. Uh yeah, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to show me two and force me to like it. But Dude, two, man, one don't... and three are some of the best freaking action movies ever. Two is criminally underrated, man. Look, it's got Rennie Harlan, man. He did Cliffhanger, okay? I'm telling you, it's got its moments. It's over the top awesome. Anyway, I just remember seeing part three and being like, now that's a Die Hard sequel. Yeah, that was a good sequel. Because there was just something like so special about Die Hard. It wasn't, you know, up until that point, we'd, we've had a bunch of um, action movies with Stallone and Schwarzenegger. Schwarzenegger, and it's all the, you know, the specially trained army guy that knows exactly what he's going to do in this. And then suddenly you have this movie where this guy is accidentally thrown into a terrorist attack. What did you think of the new Q? I thought it was perfect. I thought it was a perfect character change. Oh, well, yeah, it was, he was kind of like a nerdy tech dude. And he even gets in the, you know, we're in a modern world. Would you expect me to give you uh, an exploding pin? Both the PPKS 9mm short. There's a microdermal sensor in the grip. It's been coded to your palm print so only you can fire it. Less of a random killing machine, more of a personal statement. And this? Standard issue radio transmitter. Activate it and it broadcasts your location. Distress signal. And that's it. A gun. And a radio. Not exactly Christmas, is it? Were you expecting an exploding pen? We don't really go in for that anymore. I don't know if I like that joke or not. I mean, it was funny, but, you know, I kind of like exploding pins, too. You know, I'm not, you know, let's not criticize exploding pins here. No, Q is proud of his his technology, his computer knowledge, so he's he's laughing about the exploding pin. But later in the movie, when Bond gets his car, you can tell that by another movie that we shall not mention, Q has come around that, okay, some of these old exploding pin gags have their place. I do like the gags in this movie, though, the gadgets in this film. Like the, the gun. The radio. The radio. That was a great laugh. Oh, my God. We haven't talked about uh, one of the best freaking fight scenes in this entire film, the, uh, the Shanghai with the oh, sniper yeah. guy. He cuts the glass out of the window. Is this the most beautiful scene in the entire film? Yeah, it's a fight scene with silhouettes. Oh my, and it's done in one shot, too. Like, when they start, it's just a dolly shot, and they're just kicking the shit out of each other. And, the, oh, man, the score by uh, Thomas Newman starts kicking up. And the way it ends with the guy going out of the window and the camera going up into an over-the-head, over-shoulder, it was amazing. Bond's trying to get this list. There's apparently a list somebody has compiled of all the agents from all over the world that are in hiding doing spy stuff. Yeah, like, they never explained, like, why did... There's spies in hiding that you don't need to know who they are, and it's bad if they get out. Why was there a list outside of MI6? That's the only thing... Somebody made a list. Yeah, they shouldn't have done that. That was dumb. Yeah, you should never make a list. Yeah, and don't keep it outside the office. And if you make a list, don't tell MI6 that you have it, because then they'll come get it. Well, I think they stole... Didn't they steal? They stole the, the list, right, from MI6. MI6 had that on their laptop, right? He stole the drive out of it. 
I don't know. It just the movie starts with them trying to get the list. Yeah, because I think he stole the drive out of the laptop. So the bad guy is now publishing clear. the list on YouTube. <laughs> I that, thought that was pretty funny. Because that's what you do is you if you're gonna kill, you just let out agents. You publish it on YouTube. Where else? I mean, Facebook maybe. And I love how in James Bond movies, there's always a ring or a coin that he finds that's randomly somewhere that gives him the clue to go exactly to the place where he needs to be. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, that's the, that's the James Bond thing. You know, you're like, you got to get your clue to go to hop to the next location. And then we go to the next location to the next location until we meet our bad guy. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's what he, he does. And of course, he follows his trail all the way to uh, Sylvia. Best introduction for a Bond villain ever? My favorite. I mean, dude, is this one of the best introductions for a bad guy ever? I mean, this is amazing. The only thing I would say about Sylvia is that he probably should tell his henchmen to pat guys down before he brings them in as prisoners. Well, Sylvia wanted to get caught, too, so maybe he hired guys that were like a little not not 100% with it. Although he wasn't doing a very good job of getting caught. If he was wanting to be caught, because he had guys about to kill Bond and yeah, but he they killed didn't. Bond's girlfriend. He wasn't worried about it. He knew Bond was gonna get through it, dude. Oh, I don't know. That's why his plan is a little, you know. I mean, it's a Bond villain plan. It is a little ridiculous. Like, I mean, look, this movie is pretty much a masterpiece. It, it's still at the end of the day, it's a Bond film. All right, this is not remains of the day here, guys. It's still good. It is still good. And silly things can happen. That's okay. Well, they're not even silly. They're just, you know, well, they're a little silly. They're larger than life. But I love this scene when he, he walks in, and it's this wide shot that, of course, he walks into like a, a medium close-up, or a close-up, actually, by the end of it. He awesome. Tells the story about the rats. Yes, that monologue. Play the monologue. Hello, James. Welcome. Do you like the island? My grandmother had an island, nothing to boast of. You could walk around it in an hour, but still it was, it was a paradise for us. One summer, we went for a visit and discovered the place had been infested with rats. They'd come on a fishing boat and gorged themselves on coconut. So how do you get rats off an island? Hmm? My grandmother showed me. We buried an oil drum and hinged the lid. Then we wired coconut to the lead as bait, and the rats would come for the coconut, and plunk, 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 they would fall into the drum. And after a month, you've trapped all the rats. But what did you do then? Throw the drum into the ocean? Burn it? No. You just leave it. And they begin to get hungry. And one by one, they start eating each other until there are only two left, the two survivors. And then what? Do you kill them? No. You take them and release them into the trees. But now they don't eat coconut anymore. Now they only eat rat. You have changed their nature. The two survivors. This is what she made us. They gorge themselves on coconut. When I saw this in the theater, this got the one of the biggest reactions. When he starts rubbing all over his chest, and he's like, "Look what, look what she did to you!" 
how you're trying to remember your training now? What's the regulation to cover this? Well, first time for everything, yes. What makes you think this is my first time? Oh, Mr. Bond. And it's this, he has this weird sexual energy here with Bond. And then I love Bond's, when Bond sits there and he says, what makes, what makes you think it's my first time? That killed my theater, dude. Everyone loved that. I saw this five times in the theater every time that line got a reaction. Yeah, that was a popular line. It was so good. Daniel Craig played that so perfect. It was so awesome. You're not going to rattle me. And yeah, to be honest, I was totally shocked. The, the next scene, we get the playback to Bond's. Bond's having a little bit of trouble shoot because his hand's shaky from all the stuff that's happened. And so, he gets shot in the shoulder. So bad guy puts a shot of scotch on top of girlfriend's head and says, okay, whoever can knock the glass off of her head wins. Gives Bond a gun. He takes a gun. Bond takes a shot and misses. And then bad guy shoots her in the chest. And, of course, the glass falls off. And he goes, I win. I didn't expect her to die like that. No, I didn't either. I didn't expect him to whip out those old pistols, too. Which was awesome. (laughs) He didn't even give him, like, even a modern firearm. It's like like some 18... It's old muzzle-loading. Yeah. (laughs) Some Revolutionary War musket. Like, oh, Target guns, yeah. And that's a really good scene. Oh, did you also notice the the year on the whiskey was uh, 62? This no, is the, I didn't. It's the fiftieth anniversary movie for Bond, so yeah, they put little little callbacks. That's why the Aston Martin comes up again later in the movie. He doesn't really have any time to cry over that girl though. It is one thing you're right. Like it's it's surprisingly quick and then very quickly dropped. Yeah. But usually when that happens, like he gets mad and there's like some kind of revenge element or something. We just kinda of forget about her. <laughs> She's oh, well, kind she of was just in the sex trade and she's not a real woman. <laughs> She, she died like, inside at 12. She, he even makes like this like offhand comment about you spilled a good glass of whiskey. But then you get the other great line that get that always got a big response is uh when uh, he finally shoots all the henchmen. What are you going to do now? Take me back to her? All on your own. This is a mama He holds it up. It's so tiny. His hand. It's like the size of a lighter. <laughs> it looks so pathetic when he holds it up. And his expression and the way he sells that, that's James Bond, brother. That's James. I mean, Craig just knocks it out of the park in this movie. He makes me so happy. It gets into, like, uh, we talked about the interrogation scene. And there's the subway stuff where they, they chase. After the attempted assassination of M. James Bond kidnaps her. Yeah. And this is where the movie, I think, takes a really surprising twist. Yeah. Like, it gets off the Dark Knight bandwagon at this point and becomes really something a lot more than I thought it was going to be. Well, it, it, it's really heavy for a Bond movie. Well, yeah, it dives directly into... It takes you back to Bond's childhood home, which I love the old dude, by the way. Did you expect that that's what Skyfall was going to be? No. 
I didn't either. I didn't know that. I don't know if that was known before. I don't know if I'm just a shitty Bond fan or I what. Didn't, I didn't either. I just have always kept my mouth shut on that. Cause... No, I didn't know what it was. And then when I saw it was the house, I was like, oh. Yeah, it's the house his parents were in before they were they died. I love it, too, even when they show up at that house. Like, M says his backstory. He doesn't even tell you. <laughs> yeah, like, he, he's almost ignoring her. You know what's up. You know the story. You know the whole thing. I don't need to... It's. I think that's so weird. Like, Bond is such a man of few words. And, like, he so hates that place. He's like, I'm not even talking about it. You can tell there's some scars there. This is where you grew up. Hmm. How old were you when they died? You know the answer to that. You know the whole story. And then they do the the MacGyver rigging of the house. A lot of people complain about this. Why? This is where usually when I talk about Skyfall, people are like, yeah, but what's up with the Home Alone sequence? First off, I think it's more straw dogs and Home Alone, but, you know, that's neither here nor there. Come on, look, he thought there were going to be guns there, okay? But because in the beginning of the movie... He dies. Yeah. They sold his house. Yeah. And they sold all his guns. They like auctioned them out. They have Except a line for in his there. father's. Yep. Andrew Bond's rifle. I don't understand why people have a problem with that. Everyone's like, "Well, you should leave," and it's like, "Well, no, that's the whole point. They're trying to get secluded away from technology because the Sylvia guy can just do anything with a computer." It's the so whole point. It, it's going back to old school. And that is another theme that's always brought up in the movie too. Like the old ways are better. Right. And it goes back into, like, is Bond still relevant in today's world? These are themes that are constantly brought up, especially with Albert Finney's... Uh, but if all else fails, sometimes the old ways are the best. So, yeah, Bond and M and old guy with the beard are held up in the house. I like the MacGyver Home Alone sequence. They've... Silva shows up with his helicopters and machine guns and bombs and they blow the shit out of the house. His henchmen go in and they all fall for the traps. I love the mirror setup where they the guys come in and there's the mirror and the guy steps out and they can see him in the mirror so they shoot the mirror and then he shoots them. From yeah, the yeah, yeah. awesome. There's an escape passage under the house that takes you out to the old church and that's where M and Guy with Beard goes. Then there's the awesome sequence where... Bond has to fight on the ice and goes under the ice. That's awesome, and he would have died yet again, but we'll suspension of disbelief because he is well, James Bond. It is James Bond, but I mean, hold up. This whole house siege, the way this is set up, Stuart Barrett's one of my favorite editors. He did uh, Casino Royale earlier in the series. He's a great action editor. How this starts off, the, the Western element, mm-hmm. the guys coming down the house, the house siege. And then Bond comes through, and he's like, oh, he's not here. The introduction of that helicopter with the loudspeakers and the music coming. Oh, my gosh, dude. The arrogance of it alone. That is James Bond right there, dude. It's like, yeah, look, we had this awesome action sequence. But wait, there's more. The villain has to make a grand entrance. Yeah, and dude, when he comes in starts throwing the, the dynamite, and the way he just points that helicopter around... The and then lighting. How pissed he looks when the helicopter crashes. All of his facial expressions like that when they cut to and he sees something. 
Love that. He gets that such a surprise look well, like he's just you can tell he is just so frustrated with Bond. Bond is just so frustrating because all he wants to do is kill the old woman. I think this is probably one of my favorite scenes, and it shows just how they're in the church. He has M in his hands. He could have just shot her because he was a double O agent and because of the relationship that was there that he's basically, it's another parallel with Bond. Bond has no relationship with his parents. That's why he hates Skyfall. This guy looks upon her as like this mother figure, but he hates her because he feels denied by her and left behind by her and he has her in his hands and he can't shoot her. So then he's like, here, you do it. You kill both of us. And he's like putting his head next to hers oh. and telling her to shoot shoot herself and shoot him at the same time because he can't do it. It was just like, oh, that's so complex. Well, yeah, that's when you realize it's like, you're not really out here just to kill her and then like do something after this, like take over the world. Like, no, his whole mission yeah. is to just kill this woman. Yeah, it's so simple. When he got caught and she just left him, it was like, he refocused his life to, okay, fine, I will kill her now. This is, of all the Bond films, being PG-13... It's pretty dark. Really dark. Judy Dench dies right then. That kind of uh, that kind of choked me up a little bit. That shocked me. I didn't think that was going to happen. She's been, she's been M since GoldenEye. This would have been her seventh Bond film. It was tough, dude. It was tough watching her go. I could not believe they did it. It man, it was uh, it was. I'm not gonna lie. I got I did get a little choked up. I saw I when I still watch it to this day. I still get a little like, <laughs> Jody Dench is so badass, man. Like you know, like she just plays such a good like, like she's Margaret Thatcher. You know, I don't. She she Judy Dench is cooler than Margaret Thatcher, dude. Well, Come on. well, she's a movie character, but that's what you. <laughs> she's the head so of a what, spy organization. So Goddamn it! What do you think? What do you think of the new M though? New M taking over. Loved it. I got more excited about that end scene than probably... I lost my mind as a movie nerd. When he walks into that office, it's a new office, and when I saw the door, the door with the cushion, it had that, like, that sofa cushion mm-hmm. kind of padding on it, that's the Sean Connery M door. Right. That's the door. When she said her name was Moneypenny, dude, I was just like, <laughs> just just jumping up and, and, oh my gosh, it was so good. But then when he walks in... We're introduced to Mallory now as the new M, and that exchange, and how they end this movie. You know, we've never formally been introduced. Oh. Well, my name's Eve. Eve Moneypenny. I look forward to our time together, Miss Moneypenny. Me too. I'm sure we'll have one or two close shaves. Morning, 007. Good morning, Tanner. He'll see you now. How's the arm, sir? What? Oh, it's fine. It'll get better. All pretty shocking for someone unused to field work. So, 007. Lots to be done. Are you ready to get back to work? With pleasure, M. With pleasure. Dude, it's, it's just, it's like the Dark Knight. It's a nice wrap-up. It's a good, powerful, emotional wrap-up. 
playing fan service, playing emotions. Saying the next movie is going to be awesome. Then they end it with a gun barrel and the 50-year logo, which is really cool. Nah, I just, I mean, I just loved it. Um, I definitely, I remember the first time I saw it thinking, wow, this is a much more, like, darker take on the James Bond character. I feel like Craig's Bonds were a lot more like Jason Bourne. Yeah, I've and heard the, that. And the Bond elements are there in his character, but it's kind of like James Bond begins. Yeah. Like, things are coming into place in those first two movies. Here, he's introducing himself as James Bond. When he gets his drink, he didn't order it. But you see the lady shake it, and he's right. perfect. You know, so we're getting these elements into place, and Craig is putting these characteristics into his performance that are getting us there. And that's I'm so excited to talk about Skyfall next week because we just talked about Skyfall. We're not, not doing I mean, it again. Uh, I know you love this movie, but we're not going to just keep talking about Skyfall. I'm excited when we talk about Spectre next week um, because I think they they do deliver on their promise in this film. Well, let's give a little little preview. Of Spectre, coming off of Skyfall, in my un non as Bond educated opinion is yours. It feels like with Skyfall, we end the movie where James Bond is now the James Bond that we've all known. He hits his dark moment here, where he's dead literally, and <laughs> <laughs> comes back, and he's not as he's not as good as he once was, and he questions a lot of questions of himself. He loses his boss. He has to face his childhood fears. But at the end, that's all behind him. He is able to be James Bond. Q department is a little bit broader in the next movie. It's more James Bondish. Yeah, they're growing. They get um, a new building and stuff. It felt like to me like we went from Skyfall to Spectre being Spectre being a full James Bond outing. I think the, the story in Spectre is more in line with what people think of in a traditional Bond film, absolutely. And it is a lot of fun. Like, I, I, I've seen a lot of hate on the internet, and you guys are wrong. This is a fun movie. Well, guys, look, you go see it, and we'll put up our podcast next week, and you guys can tell us what you think. But go see the movie, So, oh, it's because it, it is good. If you're listening to this episode, if you like Skyfall, I would recommend you got to watch Spectre. <laughs> Oh, if you like Skyfall, you're going to like Spectre. Watch Casino Royale and Quantum of Solace because those do tie into Spectre, as well as Skyfall. Like, these all come around. Like, Daniel Craig's Bond movies, all they're all tying. They have this connective tissue to them. Skyfall is so good, though, man. I really, this is Bond number three for me. There's From Russia With Love, there's Goldfinger, and there's Skyfall coming in at number three. This is a terrific film. I love the callback. Uh, we didn't even talk about the DB5, Aston Martin, really. Um, you know, the, that scene... Has, that's good. That is the only scene that kind of bothers me a little bit. Oh, I love it. I love, the, I, mean, I love seeing the car. I love them being in the car. I love them using the car. But that one shot where M makes a comment and he flips the... Ejector suite? Uh, and she's like, go ahead, eject me. And then he flips it back down. It's like... I don't know. I kind of did like because her complaining was getting on my nerves a little bit too. So I'm glad Bond caught her on her uh, her shit there after a while. Well, yeah, but she was just like, screw it. If you want to, I'm going to complain if y'all want to complain. Fiftieth anniversary, so they do have a lot of they have a lot of little callbacks and stuff like that. And I'm really glad they brought the car back. Going into the next one, Spectre. I like personally. I don't know which one I like better, Spectre or Skyfall. Well, I got to see Spectre a lot more. I've seen Skyfall. I've seen Skyfall at least 25 times already. 
I've watched it twice just just for this podcast. Like I watched it once with you and then uh, once with my wife. It's just like oh, it's such a good movie. Skyfall was the first uh, Bond film I've shown my children's. Oh really? Yeah. Oh man, you should show them. Uh, see if they like some of the uh, the old school like Roger Moore ones, like The Spy Who Loved Me. I loved that when I was a kid, man, with Jaws, the metal teeth. <laughs> oh, it's it's cheesy, but man, I got a special place in my heart for Roger Moore. Yeah, Brandon wanted to see some more. Uh, the girls didn't seem like they cared too much. You know, that's one good thing. Like, I, I'm glad they got Money Penny kind of in here and kind of like fighting with Bond. Yeah, you know, she's not as badass as Bond, but at least. Like, she saves his bacon at, later on in that uh, casino scene where that one guy could shoot him, and she stops him. So they actually give her something to do other than just sit behind a desk. And we're building Bond's team to do something maybe a little bit outside of just give him his mission. And that's something that, you know, we'll tease a little bit for Spectre that I enjoyed about that. His team gets involved. It's still about Bond, and he's still the one doing everything, but he does. his support team is there. I yeah, I really like that about Spectre. But we'll get into that with Spectre and with the Bond movies being such a part of you know, everybody that grew up, you know, being a cinephile and loving movies and whatnot. You've oh, yeah. got all these directors now that you know, even the top guys wanting to make Bond films. So you're it seems like you're getting you know, top talent involved, and the movies are just getting more intense, bigger, and more... Ah, this just seems like it's a very rich future for Bond. But you know what? I really love what Sam Mendes is doing, and I would love to get a Daniel Craig, Sam Mendes trilogy. trilogy. And I would love for Deacons to come back and shoot another one. Man, what he did on Skyfall, it's so beautiful, man. It's so beautiful. And we'll talk about the cinematography inspector next week because that is also spectacular you're getting top-notch a-team everything and that's a tribute to how much bond has meant to these you know to everybody as they grow up watching movies that you're getting a-team filmmakers saying yes i want to make a bond movie and this is like the first bond film and i think since like thunderball that's won an oscar this won two oscars best song obviously and then it uh won sound editing I told you, that that casino scene, man. But uh, it was nominated for cinematography, music, and sound mixing. I can't believe they did not give it to cinematography, man. But no, uh, Skyfall, really enjoy. Really good movie. It's a great Bond film. If you haven't seen it, see it. And definitely see it before you watch Spectre. In fact, watch all three before Spectre. And we'll be covering that next week. You guys have been listening to the Movie Crew Podcast. Our email address is themoviecrew at gmail.com. That's the movie crew. Crew is spelled C-R-E-W-E. That's right. Extra E at the end at gmail.com. Like always, we play a song from the soundtrack. Tonight, we're playing... This is Adele's Skyfall. Feel the earth